Welcome, 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 everybody to the Heineman Brothers Hockey Show. Uh, I'm CJ Heineman. I live in Everett, Washington, and uh, we do the show with my brothers all about hockey because uh, we grew up playing and watching uh, the three of us at all times, whether that's in the basement or on the ice or in the yard when the snow freezes and then you can actually skate out there. One time that happened. One time. Indeed. Anyway, what's up, boys? Uh, I'm excited because we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup. So, uh, rant aside, uh, what's up? Introduce yourselves. Not much. This is Lou in good old Dayton, Ohio. Um, had a tornado last weekend. That was fun. Um, oh, so did Lake Opakong. Oh, really? Well, we, I mean, we had an EF4, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Four like, on the Fujita oh, scale. Yeah. yeah it was... <laughs> Like, I don't think the one in Lake Opakong touched down. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were, there were thir- 13 tornadoes land- uh, touched ground on Memorial Day. Nice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to insinuate, but... Uh, oh, no, I'm just not... It was, it was just on Memorial Day. Um, nothing more American than tornadoes, right? <laughs> Do tornadoes happen? It, it all happens Any so else? late. Wait. Mm-hmm. Serious question. Serious question. Do tornadoes happen anywhere else? I don't know. Worth worth look worth checking out. I mean, I know I know the North America is is really the only continent that really gets like every natural disaster, <laughs> including humans. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know, maybe there's just another name for it. Like typhoons are called. They're basically the same thing as hurricanes, right? But in the South Pacific, right? Yeah, and they spin the opposite direction because right. they're in the South. Yeah, yeah. right. Because toilets, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same thing. But uh, uh, hey, boys, here in uh, Somerville at home, got home from work. Uh, beautiful day, beautiful weekend. Um, I was out last night at uh, Hurricanes, where they've been doing a lot of the coverage uh, outside the garden. Um, left after the second period, just disgusted. So um, <laughs> I also <laughs> watched the third. Yeah. Where, uh, I did watch the third. I just I got home for it and just you know watched by myself and just cried. But um, we can we can get there. We'll get to game three. So it's good. Great time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I guess we should we should start with uh, game one, which uh, I mean went it went about what everyone kind of thought. I mean, it was close. Uh, someone got an. Uh, Away at the uh, empty netter, right at the end of game one. Now I'm getting yep. them mixed up. Marshawn, okay, yep. Yeah, Marshawn gets the empty netter, but it's really the fourth line of the Bruins that, after all the talk about the fourth line of the Blues, um, that kind of carried the the Bruins in that first game. I thought maybe not carried, but definitely was a great spark for them. Uh, what else? What What did you guys see? Yeah, I thought uh, games one and two were kind of almost mirrors of each other. Um, I think Boston was like more dominant than St. Louis was in game two, but um, it was like a really competitive first period. And then in game one, I mean, Boston just dominated the rest of the game, like the last 35 minutes at, at, at least. Um, and then game two, it was very competitive and um, – 
and obviously in the first two games, the team that scored first uh, went on, went on to lose. So it was those first period kind of weather a storm, and then just took over the rest of the game. Yeah, game one was. I mean, you guys said most of it. Um, Blues had a couple penalties. I think the Bruins scored one or two power plays. Um, but yeah, it was the bottom six for the for the Bruins. The coil line was just just working out there, working over the D, and then. Nordstrom, Crowley, and Achari just, just fucking. Yeah, I've never seen a fourth line been so effective, um, and just like not just effective, but producing, producing points per every night. Um, game two was that first period was incredible, um, just so fun to watch. The Tarasenko goal happened, um, I think, in the early in the second to tie it, but um, the two one first period was just back and forth, so much fun. And then eventually, yeah, St. Louis took over a little later, like Lou said, than Boston did in game one. But, uh, man, got to love over- overtime fucking free hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Stanley Cup finals. Whew. So yeah. much fun. Yeah, game Dominant. two is one of the better games I've seen in a long time. I got Dominant. you. I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll probably, you know. Eat this because I'll probably be at work when the Bruins raise the cup, and then it'll suck. But uh, I was there working, you know, when the overtime goal happened for Edmondson, and I was just saying, I was sitting there like, "Oh, it's coming! Like it's coming! It's coming! Oh, here it is! They oh, yeah, oh!" And then, like, of course, I can't like cheer or anything. Just like you could hear a pin drop in the bar, so I went outside and did like the old uh, Herb Brooks, like in the hallway, like. And I went back inside and was like, all right, well, you know, series is tied. You know, I had to just be like, everyone's like, fuck you. And I was like, I'm being like, I'm not. But, you know, of course, it comes back to bite me when I go out with the Bruin fans for game three. So uh, I still don't, I still think we got a series, but uh, we'll get into predictions later, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Number one, it was Gunnarsson, not Edmondson. Did I say Um, Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's one. Um, and also I thought, um, Bennington in game one probably usually has a couple of those. Every game he's let in soft goals. Yeah. Game two, the coil goal was fucking soft. It was a great pass, but, and then the second goal to Nordstrom, I thought, yeah, I thought he, he had him across the paint. Um, wasn't one of those ones where he was kind of reaching, with his leg and where Va- you see Vasilevsky just lift up the leg, but he like, he had his body behind him and in front of him and <sighs> just fucking lifts it up a leg, let Nordstrom slide it under. So I thought he's, he's played like shit fucking all, all serious. You think it's good that he gets the, uh, uh, the pull. Yeah. I just think, you know, his save or his record and everyone talking about, and I've been riding it, um, him coming back after losses has been incredible. I just think it's got to run out at some point when um, you're just letting in so many soft goals. Uh, he just thought game one, the blues could have won if he had made some, some stops like, you know, Rask has stolen some games where the Bruins have been outplayed. Um, Bennington could have done a game one. That would have been huge. He ultimately stood strong in game two after letting up kind of some soft ones, but you know, Boston wasn't putting on the pressure. Um, and game three last night, like just uh, game, first goal he couldn't have touched some of those power play goals, but like the crew goal, I thought he should have had that one. Um, yeah, he's just not really 
And maybe we're just because comparing it to the last three series where he's been unstoppable. But he's got to be better. He's got to be better if they didn't have a chance because I think the the guys in front of him are playing well. Yeah. So yeah. Lou, I, I do you think do you think though that like getting pulled in a game and playing that poorly might rewake up the 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 rebound streak that he's had, or do you think that that's it? They're going to need Allen to do this. I, I think he bounces back. He's I mean he's he's shown an ability to do it all year his this entire season. He's twelve and two, uh, with a one point eight six after a loss. Which that's not a great the one point eight six isn't a great number, but he's he's winning hockey games after they lose. Um so he's only Bennington's only lost two in a row twice in his entire career. Um postseason career. Or entire no, career. no, that's entire. Uh, yeah, that's. However, his entire career. <laughs> however, his entire career. That's uh, a yeah, yeah, Yankees. It's, it's Yankees socks is on it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a small sample size. Um, but it's all we can go off of. So he's, I don't he's think... shown in the past that he can wake up. Uh, I mean, they gotta they gotta stay out of the penalty box, too. Like, yeah, it's, it's bad. Well, I, and obviously, they've been getting some cheap calls against him too. I haven't yeah, loved but, the officiating. Yeah, and and obviously, like Boston won't go four for four on four shots again. Like that's insane. But it that's honestly been like the story to me in both games. Boston won and dominated. Too many penalties. And I think they Boston, only put one, maybe two in in the first game, but it was like out of five. Yeah, Boston Just to go back real, real quick though, Siege. I don't think they go to Allen whatsoever, even if Pennington doesn't play well next game. I think he's gotten you through. He's gotten you to the cup. You got to ride him. Um, I don't know. If Pennington and, gets chased in the first. No, I think also you think about his, like he's your future of the franchise. Um, I don't think it happens. I doubt it. But uh, you never know. I mean, if he lets up four goals, sure, you, you got to pull any goalie regardless. But I don't think he has a short leash at all. I don't think you're even – I don't think you should be even be thinking about going back to Allen. But uh, sorry, Lou, getting back to the um, – what the fuck what were we just talking about? We were kind of moving on Our to uh, the penalties, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're unstoppable, and they have been, you know, the last two months, so – the only thing to do is just stay out of the fucking box. There's no real... They're too skilled. I do feel like... Um, I've said it before. The Bruins, they've let up a lot of breakaways and a lot of odd man rushes in the PK, and I think that kind of subconsciously lets the PK not relax, but they're trying to... We'll do too much. Like, we try and do too much when we're fucking playing the NHL video game, you know? You're always trying to score PK. Um, I know it happens when me and Lou play, but... Um, oh, yeah. I think the Bruins take advantage of that. They they get a guy caught, and you know the four on three going up the ice is much better than the five on four, and they know how to wheel it and they know how to move it to the right guy. And like the the coil to, I think Johansson goal where wasn't a great one timer, but just you know he can drop it there, he can shoot it, and he no look slides it cross ice. It's just a great play. It's a great hockey play, um, and there's nothing you could do as Defenseman got to stay up a little bit more, but at the same time, it's a power. It's a fucking penalty kill, so you're not expecting them to kind of shoot right off the rush. Um, 
Yeah, so. Ty, I, I, I think what I think what you said, like uh, that they're trying too hard, is was kind of the story of that whole game three. I mean, game three for the Blues was pretty much uh, Shen trying to level Pasternak and uh, getting flipped over himself. That was their whole game. Yeah, that was I mean, a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That hit was a metaphor for the Blues just trying so hard and getting nowhere. I think it was uh, Layla, the girl that uh, Colton Perenko like befriended at the yep. Rare Disease Center. I don't, I don't remember the name of the disease, but uh, she's at all the Blues games, and she said after the first period when she was on the NBC uh, uh, intermission, she she's said, smart. "Well, you, yeah." She's like, "Well, you just got to throw this game away." And go, and it was only the first period. I mean, three nothing. But she she already knew. Like, no, throw this one away. And uh, the Blues were. They, they, you could see them slowly working less and less hard as their hard work was not paying off. And uh, credit to the Bruins for stomping them. Yeah, when they had the power plays, they had the chance and they had pressure. But you know, you're not going to score three goals in five minutes on on Tukarask. So. Um, Layla knows what she's talking about. Wise, wise ahead of her years for sure. She she had a sick question to someone after they won uh, the conference finals, and I was like, "Wow, you are, you should be in the booth." <laughs> yeah, um, I think that they might have referenced it when she was on the intermission, but uh, I can't remember what it was either. Whatever. Yeah, one, one thing about the Bruins too that I've seen just over the last couple series. Um, I don't think really saw it against Carolina as much as, I mean, they just, Carolina couldn't get anything going against them, but especially the Columbus series. And I'm starting to see it in this series is like teams are just like throwing everything they got at Boston and Boston's just like being resilient, like, you know, being resilient Tuke is keeping them in it. And then they score on, I mean, it seems like they're scoring on like 40% of their like really good opportunities. And it's just like, they're punishing you every time you make one mistake and you just, and other teams can't quite seem to do it to them. Yeah. Good finish. Good finish from Boston is kind of why they're so dangerous. Such good. uh, Now though, I feel like the chances that we're seeing are just great for both sides, but you're right. Boston's converting most of theirs. Uh, do you think Boston takes momentum with that big a win, or do you think it doesn't matter how many goals they scored, the Blues are going to wash that one away? That's uh, tough because you can kind of be demoralized by that. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like the Blues built a little bit of momentum with two goals in the third. Um, so... I think staying yep. at home, you know, you're like, it's not like yeah. you lost that game four and you're going back to Boston like, oh, fuck, are we done? So they bounced back all year. I think they're a veteran enough group. Um, I'm just fucking hoping they bounce back, but I do think I'm leaning towards that. Please. All right, so do you want to... Uh, 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 no, that's all right. I mean, I was just going to roll this kind of straight into our, our game four predictions. Um, as we're kind of getting there naturally, but I I do think they're going to bounce back. I think this. Uh, I'm starting to think this series is going to end in six, no matter what, and one of these teams is going to win two in a row. That's going to do it. 
but I do think St. Louis bounces back uh, and takes probably another nail biter because uh, Boston does not seem like they're capable of being beaten badly. Um, but I, I think we get a blues winning game four. Score? I might go three two overtime again. Siege, you want to go? You want me to go? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll go uh, three two overtime would be epic in St Louis for game four, um, but I, I don't know if you're right Lou if, that it's going to go six no matter what because I think if the Bruins win game four it might it might it's going to be tough for St Louis to win in Boston with them having a chance to uh, raise the cup so uh, I think they have to win game four. It's kind of a hard half to at this point, but let's face it, Boston's been better than them for most of the series so far out of three games. And I think they do win game four. I think Bennington will have the comeback. It's hard for me to say this because I want it to happen so bad, but um, I'm going 3-1 Blues in game four. Uh, No empty netters, 3-1 Blues. Um. Yeah, Lou. I I agree with Siege. It's it's tough to say it'll end in six either way because if it ends in six either way, then that means the Blues beat the Bruins three times in a row, and I just don't see that happening. Um, I'm gonna say it's it's been high scoring. I'm gonna say uh, five three Blues um, for Game Four. It could go to the Bruins, though. I really think if they pop an early one in, um, they could get off and running once again. But need Bennington, I think that's the biggest question mark. I do think the guys in front of him playing pretty consistent. Um, the forwards are awesome in the, in the offensive zone. They can pin pin Boston in, but um, it's really just if, if you get all 12 guys for Boston going, they're, they're unstoppable. So... Um, you got to look for Bennington to make a comeback here, babe. Come on. Let's go, Bim Nasty. Yeah. No blues. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, now that we've – do you want to do, do pop stars right now? Uh, pop stars of the first three games here? Sure. Since we've done our little review and prediction thus far. Do, do, does anyone think that the blues are done? I yeah. mean, I know, Tyler, you originally picked Boston, but uh, you, th- you think you need another game? Um, yeah, they're not done. Uh, I think similar to game one, a lot of the people were saying, you know, St. Louis is fucking done. Like, they're just – they can't keep up with Boston, and they're being out – like, they're so much – Boston is so much faster than St. Louis. St. Louis is not known as a, as a speed team. They uh, they wear on you and they wear you down, which is what happened in game two. Boston couldn't fucking compete in the third because forwards just wouldn't stop hitting them. Um, so, no, St. Louis isn't done. You know, they're the worst team in the league early January, and now look at them now. They, they've been through the fucking hell and back. So the, they've, they've seen worse than this. Um it's not not over until Boston makes it three one. Then it could definitely be over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one more game, but uh, Lou, you got a pop star? I do. Ryan Johansson. Um, 
I think he's huh. been the most visible player on the ice this whole series. That's he's interesting. Flying around. I don't know. I've just he's stuck out to me every um, single game. Are you um sorry, Lou. Are you thinking Marcus? <laughs> oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. It's like, oh, did he Marcus make a charitable don charitable donation or something? <laughs> sorry, Marcus Johansson. In uh, Boston, they're calling him Mojo Lou. Uh, that's, oh, uh, I agree. that's I agree. He's been flying there. out there. He's got hands galore, seeing the ice so well. Um, him and Coyle, it's crazy how you, you trade for both of those guys, and they're clicking. So that's me. How about you, Ty? Sorry to hijack you. Uh, I'm going to go Danny Blay, uh, number nine for St. Louis. He's been buzzing out there, just flying. Love the way he plays. Makes some really good in tight um, like board plays uh, where he makes quick passes, smart passes. Uh, he's good in the D zone, um, and he he got killed by Backus game two. I think people remember that. S- people saying like, "Oh, welcome to the league, big fella." Whatever, and he got his payback game three. Fucking buried Backus um, yeah. early in the corner. Just fucking got him good, and Backus was like, "Oh boy, where am I?" Oh, shit, do I still play here? Oh, no, I'm on Boston now. So, uh, Danny Blay, keep it going, bub. Uh, I'm also going to take a blue uh, just because I refuse to take a B. So, uh, I think uh, Shen uh, has been Jenner. kind of almost almost the biggest offensive threat for St. Louis so far. Um, obviously, playing with uh, Schwartz and Tarasenko there, that's pretty easy. But he almost he almost killed Pasternak uh, in Game 3. It didn't go so well for him, just like his Blues. I've already made that metaphor. But uh, there it is again. <laughs> uh, Luke Shen. Jesus, guys. Holy shit. You got the first thing. Oh, sorry, Brayden. <laughs> Sorry, Braden Shen. Braden Shen. Ah, god damn it! My God, I'm glad, boys. I'm glad I didn't correct. I'm glad I didn't correct Lou. <laughs> Were you gonna, or did you not realize either? No, no. I knew that he got it wrong. I was giggling because you you kept jabbing in to. to... Oh, god. Oh boy. I feel like I feel like that's an easier mistake to make than the fucking. Montreal Hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We're getting, we're getting so. better. We're getting better, boys. We're getting better. <laughs> Did I say Winnipeg Predators? Or which one of you said that? No, that was the that was it that Crow. It might have been Crow. No, because Crow was the. Uh, nah, the I think it was CJ. Statue. Yeah, I think CJ said both of those: Montreal Hurricanes and Winnipeg Predators. I'm going to go back and listen because I know that I wasn't the Winnipeg Predators one. Okay. Maybe it was me. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so one thing, I talked to mom uh, recently, and one of the things she wanted us to, to talk about um, because she felt like it was a terrible decision is pulling the goalie. Uh, so I went ahead and uh, dug up some numbers, uh, and it is... You get based so the, the this particular statistics paper shows uh, a percentage increase for scoring for both teams uh, when the net gets emptied, and it's one point nine seven percent for the team that pulls the goalie, and four point three percent for the team that uh, is not pulling the goalie. 
See, but it's not it's not about their the other team's percentage being higher. It's about Agreed. their own yeah. percentage. Well, so, so this this is the conversation that mom wanted us to have because she felt feels like it's dumb and it's always a bad decision. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to disagree because like Steve said, it's not about them getting another goal because their the next goal doesn't matter. They're already a goal up, they're already gonna win the game. So if you can give yourself a 1% chance to get a goal, then that's better than 0% because who knows what you're going to do five on five. You're barely even going to be able to create any good scoring opportunities. So if you create two good scoring opportunities and they don't go in and then they end up with the empty net, that's better than just like, you know, cycling it and not getting any pucks to the net. So I got to, I got to think pulling the goalie, but it's very strategic. Like when do you do it? Um, do you have fresh guys on the ice? Do you do it with two minutes left? Do you do it with 50 seconds left? Uh, you saw last night, St. Louis did it with five minutes left, uh, which I thought they got some good opportunities for like, you know, but if you're not going to score in a minute and a minute and a half with good opportunities, then good teams are going to put it in your empty net for sure. Right. I, I would agree. It's worth risking the 4% chance that you lose by two instead of one to get that extra chance to tie it up. Right. The puck line people agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, betting would not be the same without it. So keep pulling that goalie. And also defensemen, they, they get their best opportunities at scoring usually. Well, uh, how do you think the St. Louis Blues scored? Not by pulling the goalie so much. I know it's a delayed penalty, so no-brainer to pull the goalie there. But you get the extra man. Petrangelo's sitting in the slot, screening Rask, and uh, the Swede pumps one home. Boom. Got got himself a little redemption for hitting that epic post at the end of the third. Oh, man, he punished that post. (laughs) Rask, you saw Rask's reaction. He... His arms went down like, oh, fuck. Yep. <laughs> and it, it popped out, but he, he definitely thought he was down and out. Alrighty. So a lot of Bruins fans. Yeah, yeah Lou, you uh, got a uh, hockey history? Yeah, I got a oh, nice... no, wait, Tyler, Tyler, did Tyler give a pop star? Danny Blay, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad. I got <laughs> confused after I said Luke Shen. So been been in a bit of a haze ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't recover. <laughs> oh, I'm watching the uh, Calder Cup Finals game two. This is this is exciting hockey, honestly. Um, so yeah, I got a nice I got a nice chunk of of hockey history for you guys. Um, this first bit also comes from Mom. Uh, on fire with the conversation topics. Um for us this week so fun fact thanks ma uh, so i went and looked up a ticket price for a stanley cup final game in st louis in 1970 the last time they played the bruins in the final uh you guys want to take a swing at what that price was it's like average price or like lowest price uh this ticket was section 110 so lower bowl uh row a so I'm assuming, so, on, yeah, like on the oh, glass. First row? First row okay. on the glass, 1970. 90 bucks. I'm not an economist. Uh, <laughs> fucking... you went, you're the one that went to college, bud. Yeah. Econ- e- economy is an arts and science fucking major, bro. Um, 
Fools for fools. Look at me. Uh, I'm going to go $66. What the fuck? Wow. Okay. You guys want to take a... uh, American? (laughs) Yeah. So $6.75 to sit on the glass in a cup final game. What the fuck? So... What's so why wasn't everybody and their mother? I I, I, I guess that's why that sporting big? events. Yeah, I guess that's why sporting events. The fans now seem to suck because Those rich it costs too much to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so what I did was uh, I found a on the glass ticket price. <laughs> you guys want to take a guess at what that was? So this well, one was so the wait, I tried what's to the find night- this thing. Huh? What's the 1971? Six dollars and seventy-five cents. I'm gonna say it's six thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. So what is that times a thousand? Yeah, that would have been a one thousand percent um, increase. Well, I know that Boston prices like nosebleeds are going for like six or seven, um, and I know for a fact I've met some Blues fans that. Their nosebleeds are going for like eight or nine. So I'm going to say on the glass game three, um, the first Stanley Cup game in St. Louis in a while, I'm going to say 2500 $2, So this was the particular ticket I looked at because I looked at it today uh, was for game four. If that changes your. Mm, 2300 So there was. Uh, $1,945. Yeah, Siege, no one's paying six grand for a ticket. Mm, uh, yeah, that's like how much one of the boxes costs, probably. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I will say uh, the cheapest ticket I was able to find, which is like resale through like all the different apps that you can get, uh, was $603. But still, uh, that is quite, for the Blues. Yeah, for the for game four at the Blues. Yeah, okay. Game three, I mean, Game four is probably less than game three for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun little uh, experiment. And uh, turns out, if you want, you can buy a ticket stub from that 1970 game on eBay for like 80 bucks. Fuck it. That <laughs> <laughs> was closer to my first guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into some more hockey history. So, in 2004, Brad Richard tied a single season record. With this uh, amount, oh, sorry, this number of game-winning goals. Sorry, um, 2004 Stanley Cup. What Cup. does six dollars and seventy-five cents equal now? Not two grand, right? <laughs> well, this is just—I mean, you look at all the like the growth of the game. I mean, there were fourteen teams back. Twelve. Like the, mm, I think Twelve. it was fourteen. Fifteen. The expansion, the expansion was in '69, right or '68? Was there another one in '70? Yeah, I think there. Lou might be right on this if if you're talking about 1970, but it doesn't really matter. Okay. (laughs) Well, what would you guess six dollars and seventy-five cents is now? Um, I don't know, like fifty bucks. No, it's got to be more than that. It was only 1970. Yeah, but the fact that we thought the tickets were seventy bucks, 
All right. Well, whatever. Sorry. Brad Richards, 2004, the year they went <laughs> to the Cup. Are we talking game-winning goals in the playoffs or in the whole regular season, Lou? Okay, sorry. I was actually looking up the inflation rates. <laughs> uh, $1, $1 in 1970 uh, is worth about six seventy or six fifty nine now. So See? almost seven times as much. So, so six times bucks? seven is 40. Yeah, 50 bucks. 40, 50 bucks. Oh. Hmm. It right. just Good shows call, how much. Yeah, it's just how much uh, the big business side of sports. And the Oakland Seal, or the. Or, uh, there were 14 teams in the 1970 season. All right. Uh, anyway, anyway, sorry. I, was uh, the Brad Richards in the playoffs or the regular season? Um. This is single season record for uh, game winning goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay. So in in one playoff run. I remember he had just like they had like two or three overtime games and he scored some greasy goals. I'm gonna say um, six game winning goals. Ooh, six was on my mind. Um, I'll say five. It was indeed six. <laughs> God, block call, kids. Good call. <laughs> um, back in 1993, Wayne Gretzky um, oh, uh, carries Los Angeles Kings in the Stanley Cup final for the first time with a record-setting performance. Gretzky sets an NHL record with his blank playoff hat trick. So mm. this was his. He had it, this many. That, in that playoff or in history? History. Right, uh, it would seem that this is history. It does not say single season. Yeah, uh, but still hat tricks in the playoffs. All right, so you go first. All right, yeah, I think that Wayne Gretzky probably set the hat trick in the playoff record with twelve. Hmm. I'm gonna say ten. It was eight. Ah. All right, a little high. <laughs> it is great. <laughs> in, in, 2000, in 2001, Patrick Waugh becomes the first um, goalie in NHL history to start this many consecutive playoff games for one team. Uh, this is with the Avalanche, not the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Consecutive uh, starts in the playoffs with the Avs. Um, it's like it's more of a milestone number, not really a, uh, a record. Not really a what? He eventually does set the record, but it's more of like a this is a milestone number. I bet it's 50 games. Oh. Yeah. It's a good guess after the milestone comment. Wait, um, oh wait, actually, actually, does I'm gonna say seventy-five or a hundred? No, give me a hundred. Give me a hundred. Wait, is it including uh, the Nordiques? Actually, did he get traded to them exactly the year the that they became Colorado? Um, I think so. I don't think he was ever a Nordique because he got traded to the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, yeah, I think it was the same year they they moved. But anyway, I'll stick with my 50. Tyler gets another one. 100 consecutive playoff Yabo! games. <laughs> Ooh, 100. Um, that is a shit ton of playoff games because that's from 96 to 2000. That's five years. 
Yeah, that's yeah. That's some runs. That's a fucking dynasty. Well, that's, um, that's, that's when they were always playing the Red Wings in the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. every year. Okay. Uh, also in 2001, uh, Ray Bork's uh, last Stanley Cup playoff goal uh, set a record. Oh, well. Uh, do you guys, uh, can you guys guess what record that was? Um, who said it when? Raymond Bork. In 2001, last Stanley Cup playoff goal of his career. I'm going to say it was the uh, oldest player to score a Stanley Cup playoff goal ever. That's a, that's a really, really good guess. Um, i got to guess something else. Uh, <laughs> Were you going to uh, say that? <laughs> I mean, no, that's just like, that's probably what it is. Um, let's say... The he's the God. That, that's definitely it. Lou, is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're gonna yeah, start. Yeah. Let's, we're gonna let CJ. I can't first even like make one. something. Yeah, I can't even make something <laughs> up. Like <laughs> he's the oldest guy to wear number seventy-seven and shoot left and also score a goal. <laughs> okay, so in two thousand twelve, Anze Kopitar. Ooh, sorry. Damn. <laughs> did, you just, did you just boot? <laughs> Apologies. Um, Anze Kopitar scores a breakaway goal to give Los Angeles Kings a 2-1 victory against the New Jersey Devils in Game 1 of the final. Uh, this gave the Kings their playoff record, uh, this number, consecutive road wins. So single playoff record, consecutive road win record. It's game one. See, do you want to go first? Uh, I'm going to say it was their 12th win in a row. No. Yeah, 12, 12, 12, 12. No. 12. I think that's, I think that's, that's too many because yeah, I think that, they swept many. like everyone. Um, I'm going to go to, I'm going to say seven. It's nine. Ah. Ninth consecutive road win. Mm, I think you technically are closer again. Um, Sweep. <laughs> well, I no, because that's the year that they were down okay. three nothing. They played, like, like every series. Yeah, they've had like three seven game series. Oh shit! Doesn't matter how you got there, right, math teacher? <laughs> Not anymore, I guess. It's, uh... I don't know. I cringe whenever I see like the the new math. Where do you see the new math? I don't know. I see, I see like stupid Instagram <laughs> videos where somebody's doing like a regular math problem and then like making some coffee and breakfast and uh, taking a shower and then coming back and the lady on the screen is still doing the how do you do this math the new way. <laughs> what? What I've kind of Instagram like accounts are you following? Fucking... I've seen stuff like that on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was like, you hanging out with second graders? Or like, what's going on? Well, I, there's also a bunch of people at work that have, like this one dude, Steve, at work, he puts his kid into private school because she came home with the Common Core math stuff and um, he decided that she doesn't need to go to public school anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. 
<laughs> he said he's he said it's the dumbest thing he's ever seen in his life. And he's like, I need someone to teach her how to do real math so that she can survive. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I gotta imagine we're in a world that just doesn't teach our kids anything. I was saying this the other day with like people working with their phones, how everyone's just like on their phones. And I'm like, hey, like you're where I'm paying you. Like, can you not be on your phone? And I was saying, like, can you imagine high school nowadays? Like, there was always one kid in high school who'd be on their phone. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, there's no service. Like, there's no <laughs> cool apps you could. Oh, you're playing helicopter? Like, cool. <laughs> but nowadays, like, every every middle schooler's got an iPhone. And, like, they're all just, like, sending each other videos. Like, the internet. Oh, God. You ever been to Applebee's? Every two-year-old has a tablet. No, I don't go to Applebee's. What? <laughs> well, if you go to Applebee's, you'll see it. I swear you, to God. Why are you going to Applebee's? Like, because what? it's the only bar open after fucking like ten o'clock. That's not entirely true, but the breweries all close at ten. All right. Well, at least you're just going for ch- cheap drinks. Like that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, cheap drinks and spottings of two-year-olds with tablets at, at after 10 o'clock at night yeah i've i've you never know parents just be like yeah it's the easiest thing to do just give them the tablet i'm like yeah what did Lord. our parents do like oh it gave us hockey sticks or like, no they had conversations with yeah, us yeah babies <laughs> I, I, I mean i can't remember i can only remember so far back but uh I would assume, since tablets weren't a thing, that I didn't have a tablet. Yeah, I think by me, they were like, all right, he's got enough entertainment with, with the older siblings. They'll put gum in his eye. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, we did. <laughs> oh, that was a good idea. I thought my siblings would never do me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact for the listeners, we convinced Tyler to put gum in his eye. <laughs> Glued his eye shut. A good time. Uh, to correct myself, Ty, you were right. Sorry. In the year they won the Cup in 1970, it was 12 teams. The following season was the uh, two-team expansion to 14. I'm fucking the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> and, you did uh, have some. You, you were hitting it on hockey history today. And then well CJ, done. tornadoes do occur around the world. <laughs> Well, I don't know why it's it's funny. I didn't like make a statement. I literally asked. Yeah, no, you didn't I, know I, either, no, Tyler. No, no, we, I know. That was I've not been so. on the right side of history today. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is that a question people know? Yeah, I mean, I was I was interested in finding out, which is why I looked it up. It's gotta, they got to happen in like deserts, right? Europe, Asia, uh, and Australia. Is there, there a difference bad. between a cyclone and a twister and a tornado? Now we're getting into some semantics, I think. Well, cyclones <laughs> are are cyclones like hurricanes and typhoons, or are they like tornadoes and twisters? I think I thought like isn't a hurricane and a typhoon a type of cyclone? <sighs> Talking Venn diagrams. <laughs> Cyclone is a large-scale air mass that rotates around a strong center of low atmospheric pressure. 
So, so no. yes. So yes. No, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Exactly what a hurricane and a typhoon are. So, uh, Twister's got a movie that makes it cooler than tornadoes. <laughs> Great movie. It's a movie uh, about tornadoes. Tornadoes also have a movie uh, with sharks in them. Yes, they've got mm. nice, several of them actually. Sure. What a what a series. Uh, speaking of good series, um, Ty, what's you got to give me my French open update because um, I don't get to watch it. Serena just came down. Uh, I guess on the women's side, uh, Osaka's out. She's the one seed. Serena lost in the first round, first week of a major in like fucking seven years or something like that. So um, got to look Halep to win for that. Maybe my girl Kiki Bertens had a plus 1,400 future on her, which I don't lose any money because she withdrew with an injury, but I thought she was the favorite. Uh, men's side, you still got Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. They're all just rolling through people. Valrinka uh, beat Sitsipas today. Uh, Zverev, he'll probably lose next round. Uh, he's the four seed. Um, it's Rafa's uh-huh. tournament to lose, but Djokovic has been unreal. So you got to go one of them, I think. So it's the big guns. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. There's some some young guys who've been good, but uh, I think five sets, um, the best of five sets, really gets to the young guys that by the by this time of the tournament. Fuck, it's been it's been fun. I've been watching a lot of it. Did uh, did I tell you guys that Dad's you know Kevin Tent, his buddy from back home, mm-hmm. who's like a film guy now. He's a, he's, uh, he's an editor. Yeah, he's an editor. Sp- uh, Spider Man Shrek, right? Uh, blow. He did sideways. blow. Sideways. I know he did. Uh, well, his son goes to Tufts, so he's a host host for me now because I got him a job for the summer. Good kid. Uh, but he plays tennis, so I'm gonna fucking play tennis with him sometime. He nice. said he's been to Wimbledon. He saw Federer at Wimbledon, and he's played on clay and grass. And I'm just like, holy shit, that's awesome! Like, I am trying to do that. Clay looks so fun to play on, just sliding around out there. Yeah, you think it? You think it's uh, good for your game? <sighs> yeah, I think. I mean, hardcore is definitely different, which is what majority, hundred percent, what I play on. But I would just like to try it, just to see what it's like. I think if I get to play on it, then watching it would be even cooler. Because fucking four years ago, like last week, I went to the French Open. Um, crazy. That was so much fun. Wheeling around, talking to French broads who can't understand me, and then eating a 16-foot-long hot dog and a French baguette. Oh, man, what a day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Saw the Eiffel Tower that day, too, actually, with a a kid from Iran. Forget his name, but he lived in my hostel. Just bringing the world together, Ty. Just bringing the world together. (laughs) East, middle, and west. Boom. Tennis. <laughs> <laughs> That's tenny. Uh, anyway, uh, anybody got anything else? Cause... Yes, I do. Oh. I, we, we, have to, we have to have a, a, a good shout out. Um, we were supposed to have uh, a friend come on, uh, and she's not able to uh, for certain reasons. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she went ahead and sent us a little care package. Um, 
she's been listening for a couple months now and listens every week and we just wanted to say thank you yes thank you people oh, always want us hockey. to okay <laughs> oh damn nope, nope. over <laughs> no nah, that was a bad story no nah, do hockey well all right well hold on before we before we do hockey uh always uh go check out parlors they're awesome uh, they do our intro outro, or we use their song uh, State Lines for our intro and outro music. Um, go check them out. And you can follow us on our social media. We are at the Heinemann Brothers Hockey Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Shout out to uh, Matt Crowell. It's his birthday today. Um, him and the boys went to Medieval Times last night. Fucking pissed I missed it. But uh, Crowell got knighted. He's a knight now, so he's a uh, Sir Crowell of... Uh, Crowl the Broken, I'm pretty sure. I think Kev, uh, Kev paid 30 bucks to get him knighted and uh, made his name be Crowl the Broken. So <laughs> Crowl is happy to be knighted, but, you know, not, not the best to be knighted as that. But, uh, they all fucking bought swords and shit last night. Just looked at a ridiculous time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, saw, I saw a good Instagram picture of, uh, it said, Brand the broken after five years of rolling the six kingdoms, and it was just a picture of like Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan. Dan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she smelled like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hockey. Hockey.